Well, good morning, Anthem. If we haven't had the privilege to meet, I'm uh, Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at Anthem, and uh, I, I get to um, kind of have a little bit of a one-off sermon for us today. So, so we generally like to, to go through books of the Bible here at Anthem, um, but kind of pre-Thanksgiving, we've got a week here, um, and then we're going to go into our, our Advent series leading up to Christmas, and then we'll be in Exodus starting in January. But with that, we're thinking through, okay, what can we do with this, and what better topic to talk about this week than Thanksgiving, right? Gratitude, and what does that look like, and, and right, we're going to go with families this week, we're going to eat probably too much food, and we're going to hang out, but, but the whole thing with Thanksgiving is, is to give Thanksgiving, right, and to, and to give gratitude, and, and so the question is what, is, what does Scripture say about that? And maybe you just like heard Deuteronomy 4 there and you're like, okay, how does this like apply to Thanksgiving? If you've like read the Bible too, you know that, hey, Chris, like, you know, there's a lot of like New Testament passages that talk about rejoicing. Or, like you, you went with this one. Um, I, this was intentional. This wasn't, that wasn't the wrong, wrong verses. Because the question I was wrestling with as I was thinking through, okay, what would the Lord have us think about with gratitude and Thanksgiving is, is what drives true gratitude, or, or, or what, what creates gratitude, what creates thanksgiving, right, because have you ever, like, tried to give a review on, like, a product or, like, a movie that you've, you've never, like, watched yourself, who's, like, watched Star Wars in here, raise of hands, how many we got, oh, there's quite a few, like, Star Trek, is that the same, Lord of the Rings, there we go. I'm 0 for 3, um, and I love sitting down with people, and I'm like, yeah, Gandalf was the guy, like, the beard, and he's Luke's father, right, like, from Star Wars, and people, Star Wars fanatics get really upset with me, and it's great, and I just love the poke and prod. I, I can't give reviews on Gandalf and his big beard and those things, because I've, I've never watched Lord of the Rings, I've never watched Star Wars, I've, I've never watched that so it wouldn't be right for me to talk about those, right, aside from poking and prodding on some of those idols, <clears throat> but uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> right, but how does this correlate to thanks to God, to thanksgiving and gratitude to God? I would say in a similar fashion, we, we can't give reviews, feedback, remembrance to, to things that we haven't tasted or experienced or really seen ourselves. So what drives gratitude? I think desire, or we'll see in the text, desire, obedience. There's a really good quote by C.S. Lewis. We've probably read it here at Anthem before. Um, he's talking about half-hearted desires. In one of his sermons called The Way to Glory, he says, Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds, not, finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, 
because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. What, what he's saying here is we are, we are so content with being in a back alley making mud pies, playing in the mud, playing in the filth, and we're like, this is what it is. When we have an offer of a grand cruise at the sea, or if you don't like the sea, it's hiking in the mountains in a cabin. Whatever it is, we have this offer before us, but we are half-hearted creatures. And half-hearted creatures with half-hearted desires leads to half-hearted obedience, leads to half-hearted gratitude. Because what I want us to see today, and I think what we see in Deuteronomy, is, is through obedience, we remember. And through remembrance, gratitude overflows. So to, to go back to Deuteronomy 4 here, what's going on in this text. These first three verses... So, so, so this is De- Deuteronomy. Is this is Moses before Israel? They they've now come out of Egypt, and, and if, if you've read Exodus, that's the story of they were they were enslaved in Egypt, and and God promises the promised land. So they're they're heading out of Egypt and they're headed to the promised land. But there's some things that happen along the way, and this is the generation that will inherit the promised land because the previous generation disobeyed God and therefore does not get to inheritance, does not get to take possession of the promised land. But God's people will still take possession of it. This is just a new generation. And and Moses is actually here kind of recalling the story of Exodus from Egypt to Israel before they enter. And this is what he's saying here. He says, Now Israel, listen to statutes and rules that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live. And go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to what I command nor take from it. Right? And so what he's saying here is, hey, I've given you statutes. I've given you rules. I've given you commands. You've seen them. And about seven times, we're going to kind of go through these 14 verses here, verses 1 to 14. Around seven times in these verses, he says something along the lines of, keep these do them, obey them. Like there is this aspect where God is saying, I've given you these, you've seen, you know what you're supposed to do, and I'm calling you to obey, but he, he's not a God that just frivolously says, do that because I'm power hungry and I want my ego stroked a little bit. So I've created you so that you might stroke my ego and you might make me feel good. He says, no, do them that you might live that you might live and that you might take possession of the land. Right? But Israel and their half-hearted desires, they forget this sometimes in Exodus. And they're being chased and they're being pursued in the midst that they're like, why did you even bring us here? Take us back to slavery. That was better. Half-hearted desire, half-hearted understanding, half-hearted obedience. He's saying, you've heard these words, take heed to them, keep them, do these, 
so that you might live. And then he goes, he has two different stories in this section. The first story is in verses three to eight, which we read. And, and, and he's talking about, he says, Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. And so what happened here is as they're going out of Exodus, the, the men of Israel, they decided to go shack up with wives there and then start to worship Baal, start to worship other gods, start to mix Israel, mix God's people with people that were not of God. And God had given them clear command not to do that, and they were punished for it. And he's saying, hey, I'm speaking to you, the generation that lived through that, because you didn't do that. You held fast to the Lord your God, and you all are alive today. He's saying, you held fast to my command, you held fast to my statutes, you didn't fall away. You listened to what I said, and you will take possession of the land. He's recalling that story for them. So, so there's that story, and then there's the story down in verses 10 to 14. Verse 10, he says, How on that day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord God said to me, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me that I might let them hear my words. So if you've heard of the Ten Commandments, this is, this is what he's talking about here. This is the Lord giving the Ten Commandments to Israel. And he recalls it here of this mountain was covered with fire and with smoke and with clouds. And the Lord spoke to Israel their commandments and what they were supposed to do. He spoke to them, this is what it looks like to follow your God. This is what it looks like to follow me. Since you spoke out of the midst of the fire, you heard the sound of the words. He declared to you his covenant, and he commanded to you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. They wrote on the tablets of stone. So right, he recalls the story of the first one is, hey, you've seen the fruit of what obedience looks like. You're, you're, like you're, you're about to take possession of the land. You are alive right now. And then he speaks of the other story of, this is where I gave you those commandments. And then he has something in between these two stories. Verse 9. He says, only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. He's saying be on guard. Watch yourself. Don't forget what your eyes have seen. Again, calling back to Baal. Don't forget what your eyes have seen. He goes on to say make it known. Make them known to your children and your children's children. He's saying, remember the fruit of obedience, what I've asked you to do. And not only remember the fruit of obedience, but remember the desire. Why, why do I ask you to obey? That you might have life, that you might live, that you might take possession of the land that was, that was promised to your fathers long ago. Remember that. Don't have a half-hearted desire. Remember 
Be on guard. Guard your soul. And again, lest you forget. So that you don't forget these things. So that they don't slip from your heart. So that your children can hear this and your children's children can hear this. Make it known in gratitude and joy and thanksgiving. All right, so this is what Moses is saying to Israel, is you've seen what God has said, you've seen the fruit of that, guard that, don't forget that, remember that, remember why I've asked you. But what about for us, right? Like we're, we're not exactly coming out of exile from Egypt I wasn't there on the mountain. I don't know if you guys were, but I wasn't there. I didn't hear what the Lord had proclaimed. What about God's people now? What do we look to now? What do we look to as the fruit of remembrance? And what do we look to as far as commandments that we need to protect and guard our hearts to remember? I would say the call to Israel is the same call for us, as we listen to God and obey his commandments, we enjoy him and find life in him and remember him, and it overflows into making him known. But it has to start from a spot of God isn't saying, hey, that you just, you, you're alive now. He's saying you have life now. You're not taking possession of a land you're a co-heir with me, the riches of glory of eternal life forever. Remember these things. Look at God's commandments as promises. So Israel is looking like at the Torah there. There's kind of three sections here of look at God's commands and promises, look at what your eyes have seen, and then keep your soul and remember. So in the realm of, of look at God's commands and promises... The, the, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. And this is what Moses is going through with Israel right now. So this is what they're looking at. It's, it is a part of this, but it's the first five books of this. We look at all of this because we've seen this fulfilled and all of this points towards Jesus. We look to all of Scripture for what does it look like to obey God what does it look like to, to find life in God? What is, the, what is the thing that I'm taking possession of? What does that life look like? We're looking from Genesis to Revelation. This is our guidepost for what we're looking at, what it looks like to follow God's commands and promises. Jesus, in John 15, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Again, keep. You see it right here, New Testament. Keep my commandments, abide in my love. Verse 11, though. I love this. And as half-hearted creatures with half-hearted desires, we do not fully see this often. Obey these commandments, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy, Jesus' joy, 
the joy of the Creator, the love of the Creator, the peace of the Creator that, that transcends all understanding, transcends all circumstance, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus says, obey this, listen to this, for the purpose, not because I'm a God that needs my, my ego stroke, but for your good, obey this, listen to this, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. In, in Matthew 22, someone goes to Jesus and like, hey, I, I, I'm doing all the laws and commandments, but what, what do you think is the most important one, right? And if we're in the realm of, okay, obey your commandments, maybe we're thinking the same thing. It's like, if I want to obey Jesus' commandments, I may be asking, what's the most important one? Like, if I had to kind of prioritize this. And, and Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. On these two depend the full law. When you do these, you do all the others. This is what it looks like to obey Jesus' commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your being, with your entire being, with your whole being, and love your neighbor as yourself that you might find life and have joy to the full. Love is difficult. Love takes dying to the self. But when, again, when we're half-hearted in our desires and half-hearted in our understanding, we are not going to fully die because we don't fully see, we don't fully understand, and we don't think it's really worth it to, to fully die to self to do this thing. Jesus is saying it's worth it. It's worth it. Obey my commandments. Love me. Love your neighbor. Looking to what our eyes have seen in the same way that, that Moses recalls for Israel. Again, he's saying, hey, first look back at what your eyes have seen. The first one is you're alive. You're not dead. You're going to take possession because, because you stood strong. Because you held fast to this, you're alive. Again, the second thing that he's recalling that Israel saw was the mountain. Filled with fire and consumed with smoke. And you've heard these commandments. So again, what about us? What have, what have we seen? What can we see? See, Israel saw a God that was near to them. Verse 7. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to us as the Lord our God? That, that has a God so near to it. Wow. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? Right? So, so Israel is recalling, they're, they're looking back and they're seeing how close God was to them. But, but they saw this especially displayed just through God's faithfulness to protect them, to conquer peoples, to eventually be taking them and to give them possession of the land. 
Israel saw a God that was near, but in verse 12, then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sounds, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. What do we see? We now see form. We see God come in the flesh. We see a form that took on the likeness of humanity and was born as a baby. And would eventually be killed on a cross. And wherever you're at with this Christian thing, that is a historical fact that Jesus was a real human being that lived and died. We see that form. We see God incarnate. As followers of Jesus, we believe that, that he died and also he resurrected and he ascended. We look to that. We see Christ in dwelling flesh. We see the finished work of the cross. We look to Calvary and what Jesus did 2,000 years ago for us. We see that. He's telling Israel, hey, look what your eyes have seen. And as followers of Jesus, we look what our eyes have seen, and that is Christ coming for us, that we might have life in him, that we might have joy to the fullest in him. But what about the things outside of this? So there's, there's the, the other things then of the, the fruit of obedience. The things outside of what God has already accomplished and proclaimed and promised in Scripture the things maybe in your own lives where it's kind of like the fingerprints of God, right? Where you can look around and you can just see where he's worked and, and he's been gracious to you. See, but when it just merely stays with Scripture and it's not taken and, and walked with obedience and faith and worked out in our own lives, again, half-hearted obedience half-hearted remembrance, half-hearted gratitude, the, the obedience to remembrance right there. If we're not taking this and applying it to our lives, we are not giving opportunity for God to look back and say, hey, see with your eyes what I've done in your life. See the evidences of grace of what I've done in your life. We don't make room for him to do that. And then we get five years down the road, and it's like, man, I tried this Jesus thing, but it's, you say joy and life to the fullest, but I don't, really, I don't really experience that, but it's missing verse 10 where Jesus says, obey my commandments. Give me room to prove to you that this is life and life to the fullest. But when we don't do that, we don't give God room to say, look what I've done. Look how I've provided. And we're stifled in our remembrance because of it. Again, because of Israel's trust in the Lord, 
especially those who Moses is talking to in their obedience, he's able to say, look what your eyes have seen. But the question is, can we say the same thing for our lives? Where have we walked in obedience? Again, the dying to self and saying, this is really hard and this doesn't make a lot of sense right now. Where have we done that where we can look back and see the evidences of God's grace in our life to provide? And then in the realm of keeping your soul, remember, tell others. He's telling Israel here, take care of your soul diligently. Lest you forget these things. Remember these commandments and do them. See, but often we we forget that we're taking possession of the fullness of the riches in Christ. Revelation 2, and we just did our Revelation series, so you might recall this. Jesus is talking to the church and he says, But I have this against you that you've abandoned the love that you first had he, it, and right before that he says hey I see all these works that you're doing I see your, I see your endurance I see you doing all these things but I have this against you you have half hearted desire and you've abandoned your first love you have forgotten why you've forgotten me We're called to remember. Remember why in the first place. Why do I want to walk in obedience? Is not for some type of to atone for myself, to make myself feel good. It's not to try to please God in some atoning way, but it's purely because that's where life is. It's where delight is. It's where joy is. It's where Jesus is. And we forget these things. We forget that life and peace and contentment is found in Jesus. We forget that we take possession of a far greater reality than land. We forget that we take possession of the glorious riches of being co-heirs with Christ and having life in God through Christ. We forget we're called to guard our souls. Hebrews 3 says this as well. Flip to it here. Take care, brothers. Get in that realm. Take care, lest there be in any of you evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. He's saying, take care. Don't forget, don't let your heart be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. A hardened heart forgets. A hardened heart doesn't remember. A hardened heart doesn't have gratitude. A hardened heart has half desires. We're called to remember one way that this has been really helpful for me in, in the realm of remembrance, because I'm a forgetful person, right, is one, just sitting in Scripture. Like, there's the, there's the aspect of, like, okay, 
just being with Jesus, being near to Jesus, tasting the joy of life in him. And then there's the other of just practically looking back and seeing, okay, where have I seen God's faithfulness? Like, where can I recall the fruit of the, the hard obedience at times? And I think there's three great ways to, to kind of think through this, kind of a framework for remembrance. One of those is, is looking back, so all of these are looking back, is that ways that you've asked God to move and that he's answered directly. So this is saying, hey, you, you prayed for this thing, and it was just a one-for-one, one and the Lord just provided it. And it's like, hey, awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. And it's praising God for that, and it's giving gratitude for that. So the question is, have you been praying for those things? And, and then do you look back and give gratitude and thanks to God for when he does answer those things? So that's the first one, is ways you've asked and answered directly. And, and then the, the second one is, is ways you did not ask or ways that it was answered indirectly. And here's what I mean. It's like, hey, Lord, I'm praying for this thing. I'm praying for this thing. And in the moment, it looks like, hey, he doesn't answer that prayer. And then we get three, four, five months down the road, and it's like, hey, you actually answered that a lot better than, than, I, than I could have. One, one way for this that, like, we, we've been here at Anthem talking about a building for decades now. I don't know. But, no. But, but about a year and a half, we've been in this building process. And last fall, if you guys remember, we went under contract on a building, and we got in, and there was some insurance issues and not insurance, some roofing issues, all of that. Going to be a lot of fix. So, so we didn't end up closing on that building. And there's just confusion with that. Because we're really, really excited to, to hopefully move to a new space at some point. So, okay, this doesn't really make sense. This seems like a great spot, great location. And then we kind of, kind of put a pause, and then getting like three, four months past, it was like, okay, Lord, that makes sense. And then we go into the summer again, and we get really close on a building again. I'm talking like we're on the goal line, like one yard line. And then first and goal, you know, football turns, it's really early, and then we just punt it. Um, it's like, okay, well, we're not doing that now. All right, it, it was like right there, and this is in that category of, of ways that we're asking, and it's not answered in the way that we want, but we can look back, because I remember that whole week, we're leading up, going to make some decisions on it, and had about, from Monday to Thursday, about five meetings set up. And so it was taking that week to just pray and fast consistently. And my prayer was like, Lord, make this green light, green light, green light, green light. We're good. That was, that was what I was pleading. First meeting on Monday, it's like yellow light. It's like, okay, well, it's fine, whatever. And it's like yellow, orangish light. It's okay, whatever. Not red yet. Although sometimes I, yeah, no. Um, and like yellow light. And then, like, kind of like orangish, we're getting a little close to red. It's like yellow. So there wasn't, there wasn't like any, like, there wasn't like a super clear, like, hey, red or green. It was kind of like, I don't, I don't know. I was kind of hoping just for green so we feel good, good to go. And then actually some stuff happened where we couldn't even, like, sign. And, and then by, by Friday, there was, like, some pretty clear, like, hey, here's red. Like, this isn't a go. And it was just like, 
It was disappointing, and, and in my heart there was frustration where it's like, Lord, that's not what I was, I, I was praying on Monday that we would be just looking forward, we'd be talking construction, we're, we're moving forward there, and now we're talking, we're not doing anything, and we're having to rework our whole fall and all of that, and it's like, this is not what I prayed for, and then two, three months passed, it's like, yeah, you're right. Right, it just, it just makes, it's, it's the, the Lord answers that and just says, hey, hey, not now. And we are still, if you guys know any building, we are still fervently praying. But I say that to say of, of the Lord answered that in a way that I didn't ask, but two, three months later, it's like it makes sense. But here's what I will say. Sometimes it doesn't make sense for one year, two years, five years. Sometimes you might not see it this side of heaven. But God is gracious enough to give you what he needs. And we need to remember those moments so that the five-year, ten years, the ones that haven't been answered yet, we can look to you and say, this doesn't make a lot of sense right now, but because of what my eyes have seen, I want to trust that God knows what he is doing. And then the other is just ways that we... So there was the, the framework again is ways that you've asked answered direct, directly, ways that you didn't really ask answered indirectly, and the other one is just like ways you'd never ask, but God in his graciousness just provides something that you did not know you needed. I've had this multiple times. I'll like start a construction project, and I'm like, hey, Joe, you just, Joe Dye is in here somewhere. I'm like, Joe Dye, you want to just come work with me? And he just, I'm like, I don't know what I would have done without this man here. It's like, I didn't know I needed him, but I did, and he just solved all my problems for me. Right, but, but there's these ways like where we're like, we don't really ask God, but he just provides. And, and to look back and see those things that, well, hey, just thank you, Lord. I didn't know I needed that. You provided this person. You provided this thing. You, you provided this job, this opportunity, whatever it was, in a really, really timely moment when I didn't know I needed this. I praise you. Thank you. We need to remember these moments because it not only gives praise and gratitude to, to God, but it continues to drive healthy desire and see, yes, I'm seeking life. I have eternal life with God. This is joy now. This is contentment now. This is peace now. But when we get gospel amnesia and we forget these things, our hearts get calloused and they get confused. We are a very, very, you're probably way smarter than me, but we are forgetful people. We forget these things, and we need to take time to slow down and sit in them and praise God for them. In the same way that Israel recounts Mount Horeb, where they're, they're looking and they're remembering they're hearing the commands and they're called to take possession we look to Calvary and we see what we have in Christ and that we're co-heirs with him and that we have life with him now and we look forward to Zion Isaiah 35 10 says and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. We, we look 
back to Calvary and we look forward to Revelation and Jesus coming and a new heavens and a new earth where every tear is wiped away and there is pain no more and there is sorrow no more. And we remember that and we wait on that. And we sit in that so that we have full desires for God. Again, a half-hearted desire looks at that and says, yeah, that'll probably be kind of okay. And we, we can't fully understand that this side of heaven. But the more we sit in that, the more we sit in the hope of what is to come and sit in what has been done on Calvary, it gives us healthy desires that bleed healthy obedience, that just want to follow those desires, that then bleed healthy remembrance, that then bleed gratitude where you sit down with someone and you can't but talk about what Jesus has done in your life. Go back to the beginning. What drives gratitude? That's what drives it. Healthy desire to healthy obedience to healthy remembrance. May we be so saturated in these truths and the truths of Scripture and be so faithful to walk in obedience that we can, just, we can just see the fingerprints of God all over our life. And it just bleeds into us overflowing and talking about it consistently. As we close here, the, one of the things that I'd want to challenge us with is may the only thing people remember about you, your remembrance for God. Not what you did, not your accolades, but your love for Jesus and your inability to talk about anything else. Because you've tasted and you've seen and you want others to follow that. How do people generally walk away from conversations with you? Did they walk away seeing, seeing a glimpse of Jesus a little bit more and the hope that we have of Zion a little bit more and, and what has been done on Calvary a little bit more? Or do they walk away kind of disgruntled and upset because we're just sitting in that all day long? We're called to walk in obedience that flows from desires so that in 40 years, God may be able to look back and say, hey, remember. Remember what I've done. 40 years from now, he might be able to say, hey, look what your eyes have seen. And it just causes us to get on our knees and say, thank you, God. I don't deserve any of this. I praise you. Thanksgiving. As the worship band comes up, I'm going to read a prayer over us as we end this. Just about Thanksgiving. And then, what encourage as, as we worship this morning? Maybe it is you just you sitting there and, and recalling some of those things, recalling and remembering. But just want us to worship from that heart, heart of right desires, and just remembering what God has done and looking forward to the hope that we have in Zion and when Jesus returns. This is a prayer by Robert Hawker. He's an he's an old Puritan. says, Blessed Lord Jesus, 
We know the redemption of your church was your great, your one great goal and plan. You went forth before time began. In time when you came in our flesh, still your goal was the salvation of your people. And now in eternity you are still going forth in your priestly office on your throne, which you continue in heaven for the same purpose, purpose to secure the salvation of your people. I pray for grace to always remember. And while in one eternal act, you always are moving for the salvation of your redeemed, may we also go forth in love, adoration, and praise. Help us acknowledge your mystery and begin here on earth the song which is never to end in heaven. Unto him that loveth us and loosed us from our sins by his blood. And he made us to be a kingdom, to be a priest unto his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Lord, I pray this for Anthem Church. I pray that we would be a people that can't but talk about you. Pray that we would be a people that the thing that we are remembered for is our remembrance for you. That it would come from a full desire of grasping and seeing that the mass love that you have for us a little bit more and the life that we have in you a little bit more. Lord, may our, may our full desire lead to full obedience, lead to full remembrance, lead to full gratitude and thankfulness that would just bleed into Columbia, Missouri in an astounding way. In your holy name, amen.